0: Hello and welcome along to the On The Whistle podcast. I'm your host, Zane Joining me today for this bite-sized edition is Alistair. Alistair, I'm still in Keno- Kenosha, Wisconsin. Where is Alistair Haworth, our cross-platform reporter and co-host today?
1: Zane, you'll never believe me because I'm in sunny, sunny England I don't know you I know you won't believe that being in in the hotter parts of the world, but it is actually a roasting roasting time right now in in the u k so i'm I'm actually quite happy to be here for for the next week or so and then then I'll be pining for for tropics and warm, warm countries again
0: well, you're warming my heart because I'm getting back to London later this week, so it should be super fun to be back and uh watching some of the afcon qualifiers, which we'll get into in a second um I have to say, Ali, um, the sun aside, um, we've had some fantastic comments um, across all our platforms. And if you listen or watch our show, you know you can find us on YouTube and Facebook at the On The Whistle podcast. Or if you're on Twitter and Instagram, uh, just search at the OTW underscore podcast handle. Um, But I want to read you some comments. As you know, On The Whistle is the home of African football. um, We're the continent's biggest bra. Men's, women's, youth football, whatever football, if it's round, it moves, and the goals, we're on it, or Alistair will be on it. He's paid a lot of money to do that. No, he's not. A few Nandos here and there. But you, our community, and our audience make this show possible. So thank you for interacting and giving your comments. Um, Alistair, I wanted to read you a couple. Um, we had Abdul comment on the podcast, for those I did, talking about the future of women's football. And he said... Thanks so much for this vlog on the future of women's football in Africa. I just hope South Africa wins the bid and showcases the fastest-growing women's sports event in the world. I will be following the journey. That was in uh, response to South Africa's bid to host the Women's World Cup in 2027, which would be fantastic if they could do it, entering a rare group um, that have hosted the Men's and Women's World Cup. Um, And then on our podcast on Kaylin Swart, the South African goalkeeper, um, who was somebody who was a really good interview with those who spoke about some of the struggles and the realities of being a women's football player, flying to your games at a World Cup and then having to bus when you're back in South Africa in an amateur league. Um, we had a lot of discussion about her performance at the World Cup and some of the comments. So, Alistair, I'd love to get you take in a second. But we had um, Nkosi Magidela say, she is the reason why we, South Africa, conceded unnecessary goals. Even in the last 16 at the World Cup, she took away the little hope we had of progressing. She must accept that she is full of mistakes, an unacceptable goalkeeper with too many mistakes. We don't hate her, but such mistakes erase all the saves she pulled. Some goalkeepers are benched for life for such mistakes. We then um, had a response uh, by D. D. Da Vinci to Nkosi, who said, and I'll paraphrase this, Nkosi, you're speaking nonsense. The defenders were making schoolboy errors. SWAT is the best there is. Deal with it. And again, we love hearing from you. Whatever comments you have, please throw them in the bag, because that's what makes our bri the difference in opinion. I'll bring you in, Alistair. What is your take on the interview? And of course, was Kaylin to blame at the World Cup?
1: Well, I think, first of all, whoever, you know, you should go watch, listen to the interview because it was really great. And and like you, you touched on, it was really powerful, her talking in particular, about how she almost quit playing football, um, you know, I think about 18 months ago and how kind of the pressures of it, just the demands. So she's saying, you know, she has to work a full-time job and then train for three hours every day after work. And then, you know, on a weekday, she has to take unpaid leave if they have a Tuesday night game and, you know, across South Africa, we, we know South Africa is not a small country. Um, so I think it was really powerful. And she also spoke about how comments like that first one were really, really hard for her to take at the World Cup. And actually she had to turn off her social media because, you know, we as football fans, it's, it's great that we have opinions, but sometimes we can become incredibly toxic um, and can put unnecessary pressure on on these on these players. Um, so I think first of all, is, is that, I, I mean, in turn, you know, I think I've not made, not made it a secret as I was confused as to why Andile Dlamini didn't start at the world cup. Having said that, I watched the, the Mamelodi sundown semi-final in the, the, Cosafa cup, um, earlier today. And she, she almost conceded a terrible goal herself. So, I mean, it's not saying that Kaylin Swart is a huge drop from Dlamini. and you know, Desiree has her, you know, had to make her choices as Swart said when she was there. Um. And I think she, you know, look, I don't think she had the best tournament, but I also think she had, you know, I think she she ranked among one of the highest saves um, number of saves per game. So I think she actually had, you know, a fairly mixed tournament is more what I would say.
0: Wonderful analysis. And I couldn't agree with you more on that, Alistair. Um, but we know this is a bite-sized edition. Who knows? Might turn into a full podcast um, if I can um, chew the fat for that long. But we should really turn our attention now to the uh, Men's African Cup of Nations qualifiers. I think the biggest talking point is the return of Andre Onana to the Cameroon squad. Um, I'm wondering if you can give us some analysis on why the Man United shot stopper has reversed his resi- decision to retire because um, this was obviously a big deal when he decided to step away from the indomitable lines.
1: I mean, look, I, I think the, the the short answer is that he's, he's come back because they need him. Um, I think from my understanding, there was some form of government intervention, even asking him to rejoin the Indomitable Lions, um, you know, after he left very controversially at the World Cup. Remember, he was kicked out of the t- uh, team and it was, you know, disagreement with him and coach Rigobert Song over the style of football he plays. We all know that Andre Onana is one of the best ball playing goalkeepers in the world and Song didn't want Cameron to play like that. Um, But I think essentially it's been that he's been pulled back into the, into the team. And, you know, it's, it's only for this one game. He said, as I understand it, reporting from, I think ESPN was saying that, that actually he hasn't committed to play at the AFCON if they qualify. And that Mm -hmm. if if they win this game against Burundi and qualify, because it is a knockout game, essentially, that then he'll have discussions and he'll see. Um, But that's, you know, I think that shows that. You know the situation still isn't great i mean he put out a statement and in it he said in recent months i've been confronted with tr- the trials marked by injustice and manipulation um mm-hmm. and he also yeah he talked about lies and abuse of power but he's kind of chose to remain true to his ideals and that's why he didn't come back earlier uh, But and then he went on to thank the cameroonian government um so it is it is a complicated moment um, for for Cameroon and you know it's not just it's not just Onana. I mean I you, we've seen from Rigobert Song's introduction of a coach, as a coach. I think he kicked out Ngajui, uh, Julie, who was one of their starting center backs on the verge of the World Cup. You know he was he even dropped Frank Zambangisa for one of some of these qualifiers because you know to be fair, Zambangisa had not been playing nearly as well for Cameroon as he had been for Napoli. So you know this Cameroon team has been in a bit of chaos and now they are at a desperate point because for those who don't know thanks to my beloved country kenya being disqualified for the afcon qualifiers cameroon we
0: won't go there we will not go there Cam- oh, we Cam- not.
1: cameroon we're only in a group of three with namibia and burundi which you know should be one of the easiest groups to come oh. out of but uh, a peter shalilule master class uh gave namibia a win and a draw against cameroon which now leaves namibia on top with five points oh. and both cameroon and burundi on four points uh, and obviously, this is where it gets very, very complicated. It's because it's a group of three. Essentially, if Cameroon beat Burundi at home, they go through. If Burundi win, Camero- uh, Burundi go through. And I think if they draw, they will. all three of the teams will be level on five points. And because the way CAF does it, it goes to head-to-head and then to goal difference. Uh, that would put Cameroon in a position where, essentially, if they drew 3-3, that would go down to head-to-head-to-head, then goal difference in the head-to-head. And then after goal difference, it would go to goal scored, which would all be equal. But if in that case, it would go to away goals, in which case I think both Namibia and Burundi would get ahead of Cameroon. So I think essentially Cameroon need to either win or draw 4-4, if my maths are correct. So this is the game to watch. <laughs> this is
0: a fantastic breakdown, Alison. So <laughs> thank you for doing your sums. Where's Francis and Kouin when you need him? Exactly, exactly. I
1: can't wait to, to have him back on the pod reviewing oh, from him... <laughs> His perspective is hopefully a Cameroon win, but maybe if it's a 3-3 draw and Burundi and Namibia go through. I don't know.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Fascinating. Keep your eyes glued. Um, that is going to be a really exciting group. Now, Group F is also throwing up um, some interesting um, scenarios. We know most of the teams have qualified for the AFCON and the Ivory Coast, but we have two East African teams battling it out. Go on Alistair, give us your read on that.
1: Well, again, to, to make things even worse, as as a Kenyan viewer, not only are we kind of knocked disqualified from a group that it seems like we could have potentially qualified from, but now Tanzania and Uganda our two East African brothers and sisters are are having a, a straight shootout again to to see who gets through to the through to the group because Algeria was in their group. Algeria have won every single game as expected. Uh, but uh, Tanzania and Uganda are, are the two teams battling out for that last place. Now, this is the one where you want your dual screens because Tanzania are away in Algeria and Uganda head to Morocco to play Niger. Niger aren't able to host games at home games because of uh, cast regulations and so have to play their home games in Morocco. And so we're in a similar position where Tanzania need to... If Tanzania get any result against Algeria, Tanzania go through. And if you, But if Tanzania lose and Uganda win, by more than a goal difference of two, I believe, because I believe if they're level on goal difference, Tanzania has a better away goals record. So we'll go through then Uganda go through. Now, I think a lot of people going into this would be saying that's gonna be a tough order for Tanzania because Algeria have, you know, are such a strong team. But I think, you know, if even if we brought on our friend Maher Mazahi, this Algeria team is not one that is kind of hitting the same heights that it hit in 2019. It's still struggling to find its feet. It's kind of finding a new midfield balance, bringing in players like Hossam Awar, who, you know, changed their nationality from France to Algeria. And despite being in probably the easiest group for one of these major teams, Algeria have really struggled. They only beat Niger 1-0 in both of their games. Oh, sorry, uh, in both their games. Uh, They won by one goal, sorry. Um, And they've really struggled to find kind of any rhythm. So I think Tanzania will back themselves against an Algeria team that's already qualified already won every game to draw but obviously uganda are in a similar position where they have to go guns blazing against niger so again this is one for your dual screens um trying to remember what time that 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 game is i think it's a thursday um yeah so tomorrow tonight for those of you who are listening to the pod today uh being thursday the 7th of september so hopefully you'll listen to the pod before then and not after but it's at 8 p.m so get your dual dual screens ready because i think that's going to be a tasty one
0: That should be cracking. Now, we've spoken about the East African rivalry there, but you look at Group I and you have four teams that could all qualify. I mean, when you look and you run your rule in this group, how are you seeing it play out?
1: So the, again this is this is the this is what i love about qualifiers because you get to that final round and when it's the small groups like it is in africa everything to play for and in, in group i it is We've got dr congo nine points mauritania seven gabon also on seven and sudan on six now dr congo are hosting sudan gabon are ho- are being hosted by mauritania so both the teams who are in pole position to qualify are playing at home and just need a draw Mauritania and DRC. But what's also interesting about this group is actually Mauritania could have gone into this last game top of the group. But they drew earlier in the group with Congo 1-1, but the game was awarded as a th- forfeit for Congo because mm-hmm. Mauritania fielded an ineligible player, Kadim Diaw. Oh my featured rookie in that era. match. <laughs> Very rookie <laughs> for the Mauritanians. Um, but he had not properly done their paperwork to change his nationality because he'd previously represented Senegal at the 2020 Chan. Um, mm-hmm. and so despite drawing that game, they, they lost that game three. 0 it, in practicalities. It wouldn't have changed it because they would still be in a position mm-hmm. where if Gabon beat them. They would be out if, if, uh, DRC also won, but I think that's going to be another interesting one. That's on, uh, I think Saturday, um, mm-hmm. and those ones are actually staggered. So the, the Mauritania Gabon game starts at 4 PM UK time. And DRC Sudan starts an hour later. So hoping there's no issues with that in terms of things being played at the same time. But I think that's going to be another fire one. Mauritania also obviously, you know, uh, coached by Amir Abdu, who is the head coach of that Mm -hmm. Kalorian team, who were kind of one of of the stories of the tournament at the AFCON going all the way to the, the, I believe it was the the round of 16 against Cameroon and having to play without a registered goalkeeper and just, you know, knocking out Ghana and their group so I think you know it would be another great story for him as you know someone coming from the Camores to go and, and take a second team to the AFCON but again chaos confusion it's going to be a great great last round of fixtures for these groups that have something to play for
0: certainly a roller coaster now not only is there a lot of action on the pitch and I'll get to your predictions in a second but we are currently having a standoff between CAF the confederation of African football and being sports who are the rights holders Uh, A wrangle really centering around TV rights and CAF making a decision to terminate their deal. I mean, this seems like we've been down this path before with CAF having done this with, if I'm correct, Lagarde Sports not so long ago. Alistair, break this down for the man on the street. Why are we here, and have we seen this movie before?
1: We we've certainly seen this movie before. So the issue is is that BN Sports, Afri- uh, CAF's biggest broadcasting partner, BN, who broadcasts to the whole Middle East, North Africa region, as well as North America and parts of Europe, uh, have have had the rights for CAF, uh, for all calf matches. I think I think since 2017. And now CAF has canceled that contract because they claim they haven't been paid. I think it's money up to roughly 80 million US dollars that they haven't been paid. Um, and now, so they have just out of nowhere kind of terminated their contract with bn and said, right, we're canceling this deal. You had it until, oh, I you know I think it was a nine year, 12 year deal actually, I think 2029, but they canceled it straight up. And so now, BN are going to, are looking to take the legal action against CAF because BN are saying, you know, one of the reasons we haven't paid the full amount is because CAF has not been, uh, kind of honest in the way they've dealt with us. For instance, CAF is one of the only organizations in sport that has not changed the contract and how much money they're owed based off of COVID. So most you know, tournaments had were canceled during COVID. So most rights holders paid a, a more discounted rate for those years. So say, for instance, CAF, there was no woman's AFCON in 2020. Um, so Bian is saying that that's one of the reasons that they're not, haven't given that money. And that also CAF, they also cite that CAF has not taken the right channels to cancel, cancel this contract. So in CAF's bylaws, in order to cancel a contract, they have to go through the X -X code, the executive committee. And that uh, actually in this case, Patrice Montseppe has not done that. He's not held the extraordinary general meeting and there will be one, I think later this week. Um, So we will give you updates on that, but it puts us at CAF in this really, really difficult position where four months out from the AFCON, their flagship program, they have no major international rights holders with the rights to their competition. Um, because obviously the Laguardia deal, they were the ones who were managing the other deals. So SuperSport got a deal for much cheaper because all essentially all the deals because they cancelled that deal, there was no one for any rights hold. And now I think it will be resolved in terms of SuperSport getting the rights for Sub Saharan Africa. And and but you know, there's in terms of BN, we don't know what the resolution will be whether, whether BN will hold CAF to that and make sure that BN do that, or if national broadcasters will have to take up the the load. But either way, if CAF doesn't Fill this void, particularly after they lost that billion dollar deal that they had with Lagarde. There's suddenly this huge, huge hole in CAF's finances. And we know that CAF has been struggling financially for the last few years. They've been hit really hard by COVID and by that really bad deal that they took with Lagarde. And now, on the verge of launching the African Football League, which is meant to be their flagship club league they now have no sponsor, uh, no rights holders. They're gonna have to broadcast it on their own website, which is great for people like me and you, who in the UK have easier access to just streaming these games. But in terms of revenue, it's gonna be really bad for the African game. And so there's gonna be, there's this is gonna be a really difficult uh, position, difficult time for CAF. And I guess it's the more boring side of football, but this is the side that makes the exciting things happen. And if we want African football to develop and to grow into this brilliant thing, we know it can be we need these things to come together. We need that money from broadcasters to be there. And so I think it's going to be a really interesting story to follow and something that's really going to impact our game in, in the very long term.
0: Mm-hmm. And we hope certainly not a costly, lengthy process, whichever way this goes. Um, I was going to say, before we um, conclude the podcast, um, I was just wondering to get your take on who you think are shaping up to be the favorites for the AFCON next year. I know we're still some months away, but... When you take a step back and, and just look at the tournament and who could be in and amongst the front runners, who are you seeing in your crystal ball, Alistair?
1: Zane, it is never too early to make wild predictions. I'm I'm always ready to make wild predictions. Um, I mean,
0: <laughs> it, would, it would be wild if you had Bafana Bafana in there. And that, anyway. Now
1: that would be that would be ludicrous. You know, I, I don't take these outrageous steps. Okay, i <laughs> so cold. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, the, the honest and probably boring answer is that I think the favourites from last AFCON are the favourites. I think Senegal, Algeria and Morocco for me are the three favourites. I think, you know, but I, I think, you know, a lot of people would have their money on Morocco after their brilliant World Cup run. But actually, since the World Cup, Morocco have really struggled. Um, I think case in point is, is a certain Bafana Bafana beating Morocco um, in South Africa and, you know, not to, to disparage Bafana Bafana too much. But, you know, I think Morocco have shown that when they're playing on the counterattack, they're a defensive team. They're one of the most organized teams in the world. But when they're playing up against low blocks, when they're playing up against teams that, you know, the style of football that they will face at the AFCON, teams that want to defend against them, they've really, really struggled. Whereas Senegal are hitting their stride. You know, they hit five past Mozambique, they hit three past Benin. Sadio Mane, although he's moved to Saudi Arabia, will probably be more rested, more ready to play in January. You've got the emergence of Nico Jackson. Um, but I, I also want to point out that I think these are the teams that are also have the best chance because these are the teams that I think are taking their preparation seriously. So during this, world, uh, this international break, obviously in international breaks, we always have two matches. But in this case, because there's only one AFCON qualifier to play with, most of the teams are scheduling friendlies to be played with. So these are other great games you should be watching if, if you're not watching the qualifiers. On Tuesday, we've got Senegal are playing Algeria in a friendly. Morocco are playing Burkina Faso, another one that I think, you know, serial dark horses. Cote d'Ivoire are playing Mali. Egypt are playing Tunisia. But again, I think some of the other teams that have excellent te- players but aren't preparing for this te- uh, AFCON properly. For instance, Nigeria, they're, they're not playing a friendly. They're just playing one AFCON qualifier and that's it. Cameroon playing one AFCON qualifier and that's it. No friendly. Ghana are playing a friendly, but it's against Liberia. You know, they're not testing themselves against the best in Africa. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. think for me, that's the real reason why Senegal, Morocco and Algeria are going to be there come the end. And, you know, I would probably, you know, even though they're not a very strong team, Egypt are always going to be there because these are the teams that are preparing already. These are the teams that are getting organized. So We'll see. I know that's a long-winded answer to tell you that Senegal is going to win it again, but (laughs) there you go. And
0: and, and it'll be interesting to see what the standard of Mane and Koulibaly and Mendy is coming from the Saudi Pro League. Um, I think this will be, I mean, you'd imagine there'll still be a cut above, but it'll be interesting to see how sharp they will be um, for that tournament. Alistair, always a pleasure chatting with you and chewing the fat. Um, I wish you well. Um, and I look forward to seeing you next week where we'll dig into the qual- who's qualified, who's not the ins and outs and look to bring you more great content. Um, wherever you are, enjoy the sun. In your case, Alistair, put some sunscreen on and we'll see you soon.